no, all I'm saying is, when was the last time somebody actually used tape to record something? I mean, we say, oh yeah, I taped it last night, but you, you didn't tape it. You DVR'd it, or you, you recorded something on your phone, on the hard drive. And coming to think of it, no one's using a hard drive anymore. It's it's solid state. It's it's recorded onto the RAM or, or other... Ugh, I'm on a tangent. Why bother? Hello, this is Pete Pomisano, and this is a special bonus edition of RLTP's Off-Road. And the reason for the bonus edition is, well, we recorded an interview with the very talented Adam Krudinger several months ago, and then the COVID hit. And hand to God, the show that he designed the puppets for got canceled. Well, it got postponed. It's going to be coming back, and we'll tell you more about that when we can. But it got postponed, and so we postponed the interview. But guess what? Today, the Artie Award nominations were completed online, and we have a nomination for Adam Krudinger for Outstanding Technical Element. The puppets in Hand to God from Road Less Traveled Theater got nominated. So we thought, hey, what better time than now to bring back the interview that was never played? <laughs> and so you get to hear it. it. It probably sounds a little bit dated because it was done months ago before we ever dreamed that we'd be in the middle of this COVID quarantine and, and all of the aftermath. But we think it's a worthwhile interview and uh, something that you'd want to hear. And Adam, by the way, is going to be working on another project soon for Road Less Traveled Theater, where they're going to get some new content going in the fall. We'll tell you more about that, too. In the meantime, congratulations, Adam, on your Artie nomination. So here you go, a bonus interview from Road Less Traveled, from RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano, with Adam Crudinger. Enjoy! So the rules are basically, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions because I've never met you before. And number one and number two, a puppeteer. Seriously? <laughs> I, we have to talk about that. But also, I love your whole philosophy of teaching and you're, you're an art teacher and that always impresses the hell out of me. So Adam Crudinger or Crudinger, Crudinger, isn't it? Crudinger, yep. Yeah, I, I hate when people swallow their tea and go Krutinger, <laughs> like curtains. And uh, I'm an old man, and things really get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it is. Yeah, it's definitely the climate for that. Uh, how new is your baby? My baby, uh, Fred, is uh, six months old. And she's freaking adorable. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's such a doll. She's uh, such a doll. Congratulations on 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 the baby. Thank you so much. I'm we're we're having a blast. She fits right in. <laughs> I, you know, I've never met Maria either. Uh, because Maria is more of a musical theater person. Oh, yeah. And as you saw from Mamma Mia, I have no business being oh, a musical sorry. theater at all. So uh, so I, we've never really come into contact yeah, with each yeah. other. And when the two of you were married, I, I said, oh, who is this guy? And things, you know, then I heard more about you. And, and the, you know, you did puppets for Avenue Q and mm -hmm. all this. And I said, well, 
we've got to talk to this guy. And now you've got a puppet coming up for Hand of God. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. There, well, so we'll, been, we'll get into that. Oh, but I, sure, but yeah. I really want to where, where are you from? Where'd you come from? Where, yeah. You came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden you're the puppet guy. I guess so, yeah. Just <laughs> born and raised right here in Buffalo. Really? Yeah. Where, where'd you go to school and all that uh, stuff? When I was younger, I went to um, uh, Chittawaga schools in uh, Cleveland Hill. Mm-hmm. And then in, when I was in middle school, we moved over to Williamsville. And uh, most I'm one of nine kids in my family. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, what, now, what does that teach you? Reach for the food quickly, I suppose. Oh, definitely. I, I eat quickly, and, and uh, I've learned to have a lot of patience. So, uh, yeah, where do you fit into the nine? I'm second oldest. Second oldest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there were there were six others, seven others below you, just looking up to you. Yeah, my my youngest brother now is still he's he's 17. Holy which is, cow! Which is wild to think about. But did, yeah. did anybody else go into well show business? But you're sort of into the artistic realms um all, all my sisters are very artistically talented really? yeah they all they, none of them are really in an arts field but they all have the uh, the ability to did you discover early on when you were like in grade school and elementary school that you had an artistic bent did uh, a teacher say to you adam your your drawings of trees are so whatever yeah. did, did that happen to you because uh, what they to me they went peter you have no talent at all <laughs> artistic talent anyway um i feel like i was told that a lot but to be honest one thing i'm remembering now is i didn't really think of it as art as much when i was younger when i was younger i just liked to make things, mm-hmm. I was always making things, finding you know, stick making things out of sticks. Or I used to when I was when I was young, I used to love garbage picking, finding these little pieces of metal or pieces of uh, foam and different things, and and just making gadgets and different types of things. So it was just a creative outlet that, yeah. that you just had fun creating things. Yeah, and it wasn't pen to paper or anything like that. Or N- not crayons. not as much. I'm sure. Yeah. You were and even co- now, you know, I do do some drawing and some painting, but I you know, and I have some skill in it, but it's definitely not. Uh, my main interest. I, mm-hmm. I still like making things and hands-on, which is p- part of what draws me to puppetry in such a great way that works just so well. Mm-hmm. And, and again, also, it's connected to my performing interest as well. Yes. So it's really like a perfect art form for me. I'm glad that I found it. You, you went to Buff State? I did, yep. And what was the major there? Art education, yeah. Art education. So you must have in high school, well, in high school, I'm assuming, where'd you go to high school? Williamsville East. Williamsville East. Yeah. Did you do? Did you pursue art there? Were you in sort of an art major there? I did because actually early once I did kind of discover that art was the path. I actually did decide that I wanted to be an art teacher when I was in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and I never really wavered from that. Really? Yes. Fifth yeah. grade. In fifth, when I was, in I fifth was grade. learning to tie my shoes in fifth grade. I, I can't even imagine that you already had decided. Yeah. You must have had some inspiration. Then there must have been a teacher who you said to yourself, "I want to be like Mr. Jones or something." <laughs> uh, you know what? Not even that. I, I do have an art a mentor uh, that I actually uh, discovered later when I was in high school, uh, Thomas Paul Asklar, who's at a local elementary school. I volunteered with him a lot. But at that age, I think it was just a matter of being from a big family, being surrounded by kids, even though I was still a kid myself, kids much younger than yeah, me, sure. and just and loving the arts, even though that's not quite how I would have described it at the time. Yeah. So then you went to Buff State and you came out with art education. Somewhere in there, did this puppeteering thing take hold or was it even earlier? 
it was about that time. It was uh, soon after high school. When I was in high school, I, I started doing magic. I was a local magician for probably about 10 years. It got me all the way through college, and I did it after college as well, um, doing local restaurants, uh, magic shows all over Western New York for elementary schools and things like that. But uh, but I was always doing theater on the side, too. Mostly In, in, what, in what way? Well, my wife, for example. my wife was always in shows, and, yes. I, th- and I liked doing shows with her because it was a good way to spend time with her. We weren't at the time, but um, so she would often have been the leads of sh- in shows uh, um, when we were in high school, and when we did some local community theater, she was often the lead, and I'd like to just be in the background, mm-hmm. and being in the background, a lot of times the leads would get costumes that they rented, but yes. a lot of times the people in the background would have to come up Do with it on your own, yeah, right? come up with it on their own, and that's where I really started um, learning sewing, and I think sewing, learning sewing uh, helped me realize that I needed to lift my level of craftsmanship because you can only do you can do some make some amazing stuff with a hot glue gun and tape okay <laughs> but it's not going to hold up and it's not going to look good after a lot of use yes yeah yeah so i started i started sewing and i really really enjoyed it but te- sewing is very technical too whereas again using the hot glue gun and those other tools is a little less it, it can be less technical but then soon after that while i was in college too i started working at dc theatrics right around the corner from mm-hmm. where we are and i really uh, attribute a lot of my skills that I learned in sewing to them and like raising my level of um, craftsmanship. Craftsmanship, yes. Yeah. And and so somehow, somehow, all of this led to I can build puppets. <laughs> now you must have been a Sesame Street or one of those things, must have been a fan of of those uh, at some point. And then somehow you said, I can do that. You know what? You know, a lot of people assume that, but I really, wa- I, I was aware of those shows, and especially Sesame Street. Watched or it when I was when or, I was a know. little kid, but I really didn't grow up watching the Muppets. It wasn't really part mm. of my family culture in any way. That, that, you're right. That would be an automatic assumption that that people would make. Yeah, and they make because I don't even know where else I would see. <clears throat> Puppets. Yeah. But, but not know. even that. I, I also argue that even if I did, I don't think that that would have necessarily got me into puppetry because I didn't see Sesame Street as puppets. Sure. In the same way, like a cartoon. Like yes. they're, they're just characters. Like, yes, I, like I, I wouldn't wonder, like when I'm watching a, a live action TV show as much what's going on. You just believe in the world. Exactly. You believe it, right? Okay. I, I follow you. So I, it has never, never even crossed my mind. But then when I, in 2008 at the Lancaster Opera House, we did a production of Little Shop Little of Shop. Horrors. Yes. And um, at the time I was a magician. But the, I was hired as an extra puppeteer. I wasn't the main puppeteer because they needed like three people to operate the big plant. The big, yes. And uh, Audrey. And, yes, Audrey. And, and Brett Runyon built that, who's over at DC Theatrics. He's there right now, actually. I just visited him. And um, and But they hired a main guy to do the main lip sync puppetry. I see. And my buddy, Zach, Zach Homiser, who I didn't know at the time, but we're very good friends now. And he, he brought to rehearsal one of his personal puppets. And he had this little puppet that was made by a guy named Terry Angus who worked on Fraggle Rock as a performer. Okay, and Fraggle Rock, sure. Yeah, and he... he Muppets on HBO at the time. Exactly, yeah. And he could build puppets at the Henson quality level and out of all the same materials. And when Zach was holding this puppet in his hand and I saw it, I, it just kind of all started... I was like... Oh wait a minute! These are somebody makes these, right? They're not just sure, okay. characters. Again, like you see a live actor, you don't think, oh, where did that person come from? There's a person. You had an epiphany. I just, I, I just, I just connected. <laughs> I mean, it's so silly, but it's like, oh my! Somebody so 
somebody made this. Who yeah. made this? Yeah. And I found out the guy who made it. I'm looking at his other things. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm looking at this puppet up close. I'm, I'm looking at the seams. I'm like, oh my God, there's a seam here. You can't even see it from the front. Mm-hmm. What's this fabric? And I found out that fa- it's the same fabric that the Henson uses for all their Muppets. The special uh, nylon fleece. It's very hard to get. And they do very short runs of it. And then I found this fabric, and like, then I, then I just started making it. And my first few were, were actually okay. This is not something you get at Joanne Fabrics. No, no, no. Well, here's the thing: you can make puppets out of things from Joanne. Sure, but yeah. this but, stuff but, is But to special. get it to, to make it look just like an actual like Henson creation, mm-hmm. they use specific materials because and, the material covers the seams and things. Yeah, and that that's one thing. Because a lot of like store bought puppets, you'll see a seam going right down oh, the absolutely. middle, which of course makes it look like a toy, makes it look not real. Right. You got, obviously, humans we don't have seams on them, right. so the more you can get away from something being making it look like it's made, the more believable it is as a character, which fooled me growing up, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Well, then, all right. So then you you saw, yeah. so then you were you were doing puppete- puppeteering of a sort when you were helping operate. I, I imagine as the plant gets bigger, they needed more and more. Uh, puppeteers to manipulate it? Yeah, to technically it was a puppeteer. It was very, <laughs> I was really just like in a big starfish costume as a grabbing pa- branch. But like, so like technically it was puppetry, but I, I really was wiggling. You're inside the puppet, you're a puppeteer. There you go, you're, I'll, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> so that, that's what actually started you on the road to building your own puppets. Yes. And then how did you find this fabric? You said it's hard to it's hard to find. Did you have to special order it? You, you, you kind of did. Yeah, you kind of did. Um, What's uh, yeah. it called? Um, well, it, it's it's called nylon fleece. But if you it, a lot of people in the puppetry world know of it as Antron fleece, but that's like calling tissues Kleenex. Okay. Really, it's, it was a company that's actually out of business. It's gone, and it, the, but it, that name has lingered for some reason. But uh, but yeah, I, I just found it and website. It was kind of expensive, especially for me at that age. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I ordered it from some random places, and then I wanted to get. A lot of it. So I found the guy who actually makes it, who like has the mill and, and runs it, and I ordered a humongous roll of it just to last me a while. So I'm still sitting on some of that, and and now they actually stopped making that kind too. Oh, so, so that's precious. Yeah, puppet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got gold. I'm sitting on gold. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but right now, yeah, the puppetry world is kind of changing the materials a little bit because of access to stuff. We're running out of stuff. So. Oh, that's amazing. So, so then the first puppets you built were were what for your for your own self or the house for for family uh pretty much just for myself and that's still my favorite thing to build for is you know things that i come up with my design and where does the inspiration come from for me personally i'm so often inspired by the materials like if i find some goofy fur mm-hmm. um you know that inspires me or even just like seeing an interesting pattern I'm like oh what if i did that with the fleece and you know put it together that way or even looking at shapes that's where i get a lot of my inspiration from i know a lot of people will do a sketch first which i can work from a sketch but it's just like not my thinking process i've always did, been tinkering did, did you study in any way of uh, books or or um any other way of getting the information into your head about not just the construction of them, but the manipulation of, and the the art of puppetry itself? Did you how? Did, because it sounds like all of a sudden you were struck by God, and down, and all of a sudden you were building and manipulating puppets. Well, I, I'm very um, I get obsessive about things that I'm interested in. Okay. It's like again when I was into magic, I was hardcore into magic. Then I get into puppet, I'm hardcore into puppetry, which I think is probably my hopefully one of my ending uh, interests. That I stick with for quite some time, but um, but yeah. Well, you have a real job, also. Yes, which, which, we'll, which we'll get to in yes, a minute. Yes, yes, without but, a doubt. But 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 it it is something that you. 
uh, spend a lot of time on yes, and, and, yeah. and on your own. So, so yeah, so yeah, so I learned. I did learn some stuff from, from some some from some books, but I actually always had trouble with. Um, I have a little bit of uh, trouble with my eyes tracking words. Mm-hmm. So reading has, was never something that came easily to me. It was always a bit of a chore. Yeah, it wasn't something you did for fun. Yeah, something you did. Yes. Oh, so I, I did read. look in books for. But again, I was mostly looking at pictures and, and seeing things like that. But even just digging into forums online, seeing things. A lot of other books, uh, like like Henson's The Works, has a lot of pictures of behind-the-scenes things, even seeing some behind-the-scenes um, videos of, of uh, Henson productions. The way they use the rods to move the hands exactly, and things. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and actually, I should say, too, I've done some more formal training as well, and, and I think it was 2012, I, st- I took a, a, a master class from John Tartaglia, who's famous from uh, Avenue Q on Broadway and, uh-huh. and, and Sesame Street and many other puppetry background things. That was my first, like, immersion into the the culture of puppetry I guess I would say where it wasn't just me and just like my friends locally like other puppeteers mm-hmm. and that was so inspiring and then the following year I went to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center for puppetry they have a puppetry conference every summer that's like uh, two weeks long Amazing. and I went there five summers I think it was five summers in a row there may have been a gap between one of them but studying under yeah, like the best and are there people there training, the or are you just is it just a networking and sharing of ideas? Oh no, there's definitely there's classes all the classes. time, all different types of things from performance, from body movement, all different. I mean, puppetry is such a diverse. It, it, uh, I don't know what this doesn't. I shouldn't be surprised by this, but I, I guess you just never think of well. Of course, if there's if there's a school for every well, there's a school for clowns for Pete's sake. Of yeah. course, there's a school or or classes or or conferences or something for for puppeteering. Yeah, something that it, it, frankly I think is much more intricate and 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 fascinating. Yeah. So then you make up these stories for yourself, and you, once you created the characters, did you start making up stories and and doing little little uh, presentations for family and such? Uh not so much for family. I get. I I will say I, I love performing puppets, and it's definitely a big passion of mine. But I am just so love the process of building a puppet. I really love, again, I always loved making things, and that's a big part of it. And even in performing puppetry, I don't see it so much as, I see puppetry as something I have to do to create a show Mm -hmm. rather than a desire. Like, I don't want to necessarily just go around working on everyone's puppet shows to do puppetry necessarily. I just like creating something. Again, and if I want to create my own show, I have to do puppetry, you know? (laughs) And again, I do like it, but it's just more of a, you know, necessity. So, So, uh, so obviously, aside from things like uh, like Avenue Q that you created for Musical Fair, you, you have uh, other just puppets that you've created on your own. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now for something like Musical Fair, when, when you did Avenue Q, how do you design each individual puppet? You read the script, and we'll get to to Hand of God as well because yeah. I want to know how oh, that yeah, puppet comes. Absolutely. Out. So you, you read the script, you you decide what the uh, uh, character traits are. Well, you tell me. How sure. do you, there must have been ten puppets in that show? Oh right? yeah, there was. I think. Well, you know, in the Broadway version, of course, they have multiples mm-hmm. of many multiples. We we built two of each character because it's just a, we, a smaller production. But but that one, you know, that's a little bit of a different situation because I'm studying the work of Rick Lyon, who created the puppets for Avenue Q. Okay. And though we had to do our own design, I did study his, you know, I wanted to see kind of where he got his ideas. Are they sort of copywritten? It's sort of, that you can't copy his puppets? Or when you get the script, they say, oh, here are the puppets you must design, but you cannot use these 
pictures? Or what, what, or, I think, how does it even go? Honestly, on? I think it has changed over time. At the time that uh, Musical Fair did it, it was very specific. Relatively new. You could yeah. not use those designs. You had to use his puppets. I believe that's what it was. I see. But I think over the years, they've expanded that a little bit to where if you, if you build puppets that look like his, you have to credit him as a designer. I, I believe there was a change, but I'm not positive on that. But anyway. The, the approach you took was. They, well, they, they, they um, decided, Musical Fair, that they wanted original designs. Nice. So, you know, and I think some people just take that a little bit too far. I still wanted it to be reminiscent of some things, some choices that Rick Lyon made. So what I kept the same was the color palettes because I saw where he, in, in looking at the work, I kind of saw the thinking behind it. Interesting, yes. You know, the main two characters, Nikki and Rod, are green and blue. And if you take that same position on the color wheel and you move it, mm-hmm. it's the same position as uh, yellow and orange, which is Bert and Ernie, which is kind of what those characters are inspired by. Oh, that's interesting. And for the monster characters, again, on Sesame Street, a lot of, most of the time they're bright, beautiful colors. But to kind of elevate you know, the tone of the show, he used more neutral colors for all of his monsters. So I used neutral colors for mine. Not exactly the same colors. His Trekkie was like more of a tan. Mine was more gray. Mm-hmm. And same thing for the, the Bad Idea Bears. They were bright colors. And they were, his were like yellow and blue. So I picked like bright green and bright pink. So I kept that same tone of, of, of color palettes. But but did my own original um, head shapes and other features to make them unique. And the head shapes and other features, the designs came from your head. Well, they're they're very but, but be honest, from, they're very primary shapes. But but you know. but are they uh, were they in any way based on the script? Um, not like, necessarily. Did you say to yourself, on the, on the this one should have big eyes, and this one should have great big eyelashes, and this one mm, should have, mm. uh, you know, I don't know, a button nose or whatever? Well, definitely. But, is it based on the script? Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, because they are characters mm-hmm. in the same way. Like a business person probably wouldn't necessarily have a mohawk, right? So, so <laughs> the, the Nikki character was uh, is, is more of uh, that type of character. So I gave him a mohawk, which isn't like it is in the original and, um, and and things like that. So I did do little character choices that I thought, you know, made them more visually clear of the type of character they are. So take me through the process of actually building a single puppet because we could be here all day discussing different choices that you can make. But let's let's say that you, you read a script and you decide uh, that, that uh, in your head you get a visual image of what this character is like. Yeah. So now... Take it from there. Where where do you go? Sure. Well, first of all, before even building the puppet, there's a pattern making process to to create the shape. So what I do is I usually do a skit. A, a, the same way you would make a dress pattern. You yeah, yeah. The way that I would, not not necessarily everybody. That, no. That's a draping process, which is part of making the process for a puppet in mm-hmm. some parts of it. But yeah, I start with a mini clay sculpture and I wrap it in tape and I take that tape off as like a shell. And then what I have to do is put little cuts in that tape in order to get it to lay flat okay. and that becomes my pattern so then now I take that to Kinko's blow it up trace that in foam and when I glue it together I have that same shape but now as a hollow piece of foam holy mackerel so you start with a sculpture uh, usually, yeah, if it's a completely unique shape that I've never done before. Of course, I save my patterns and think of other unique ways to use them. I see, of course. But yeah, yeah. So how big is this clay sculpture? Are we talking about well, it, 5, 6 inches or 10, 12, 24 inches? Uh, it, it depends. Usually, yeah, they're probably about uh, 6 to 8 inches if I do them. And I usually don't do it as a full character. Like, I'll just do the head. You'll do a shape. Yeah, I'll do a shape. I'll do the head. Okay. And then a lot of times the ba- the body I can just completely fabricate because they're usually just like some sort of tube or slightly, uh, you know, tr- 
trapezoid type mm-hmm. of shape. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and the okay, okay. So now the face. Yeah, and then I cover it in and fabric, the and then the fabric. I have to make a pattern for that. So then I use more of that dressmaking draping. Uh, t- technique for pattern making. So I drape the fabric on, make sure I put all the darts in, in the right spot based on my decisions that I make. And then I make a pattern for that. Uh, that fabric, that that special fabric that the Muppets are made out of, I usually have to dye it. Mm-hmm. Though now I have a source where I get it colored. Um, so there's a whole dyeing process too. And then and then even the eyes, I, I you know, you don't buy puppet eyes from a store. You can buy puppet eyes, but the way I, <laughs> I make them is I, I, again, I originally did a sculpture. I made a mold of it and now I cast them in plastic and I sand them down, paint them. The adhesives I use, I'm very specific on my adhesives. A lot of people like to use hot glue, but hot glue is not a great material for anything permanent. Um, that's why you don't find it generally in things that you buy for your house or mm-hmm, things that mm-hmm. you wear. So I use like a, a shoe glue, like a contact cement for use for that leather workers use, and that's super strong, works really well. And then, yeah, again, that's the thing I like about puppetry is it uses so many different trades. And there are so many skills involved. There are so I, many skills, yeah. And, of course, I knew this was going to happen, but I, I'm absolutely <laughs> totally surprised by how many steps there are in this and how complicated the sewing skills, the, the, the gluing skills, and knowing the various materials that, that you, you use for this, uh, I should have realized. Because, as you said, when you're looking at any puppet, and, and frankly, I saw the very first appearance of the Muppets mm. On Ed Sullivan before your parents were born, probably, um, and I remember it just being it, it, taken aback by it because they, it was this. Oh, I don't want to get into it right now, but it was it was such a surprise because underneath this draped creature, all of a sudden, and there was this little doll next to him, it was a sweet little thing. I don't know if you've ever seen this on YouTube or anything, but there was this draped creature, and suddenly. The material, the drapery, started going into his mouth mm-hmm. and disappearing, and he turned out to be this monstrous creature. So while they were singing this "I Love You" or something song, mm-hmm. this thing was devouring this sheet, and it turned up. To, and and I remember watching it, going, "I've never seen." Because for me, puppet was Howdy Doody, mm-hmm. uh, Pinocchio, those things. I'd never seen anything as strange yeah. as these monster puppets, yeah. which of course is where Muppets came from. So, it, so my point of, of all of this rambling. <laughs> Is that for me? They were just these incredible characters, yeah. and of course, there's all of this time. How long does it take to build even one? I, on an average, I know mm-hmm. it's got to be different for sure. everyone. Yeah. But but on an average, are we talking about? Um, well, well, you tell me. Yeah, sure. For an average puppet of a of a simple traditional basic design, it's about forty to fifty hours. Unbelievable, <laughs> forty to fifty hours. Oh yeah, but. But you love doing it. I, can I love doing t- I, it. Yeah. I can tell from just look, looking at your face that you're enthusiastic about this. Yeah. Do you in your in your teaching career now? Mm-hmm. And I and I was interested to read that you started at was it St. Mark's? Yep. Which is where I was baptized. Oh really? Years ago, oh yeah. A hundred years ago, uh, St. Mark's was your first teaching gig. Now you're out of Richard Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was briefly in the uh, city of Tonawanda for one year as well. And you teach art to what what level of students? What I'm in an level? elementary school, so it's kindergarten to fifth grade. Wow. And and that's that's one of those. What do they call them when kids are removed from the class? Uh, so so the the elementary teacher can get a break yeah. while he's, he or she is teaching you know math and science and history and everything and then please take them out for music <laughs> right. take them out for art yeah. right the, the kids call them at least in my school they call them specials i know some specials, schools call them the encore classes or things that's like that that's the word i was looking yeah. for the special classes so you, the kids get pulled out 
I, I can imagine that, it, it, well, uh, teaching for me was always a performance. Yeah. And I, I can see that it would be with you. And I'm sure that your enthusiasm is, is spread to these kids, which has to be has to be wonderful. And uh, there was a quote you had about about you know fun is the fuel for creativity, and you're trying to teach kids how to use art mm-hmm. for to express themselves, and even if they're like me, can't draw to save my life, but you can use art to express themselves. Tell me something about your f- teaching philosophy and what what you bring to the classroom. My again, all different levels. Sure, absolutely. As as an elementary school teacher, I think my job's a little bit more specific of making sure that they're excited to come to art. Mm -hmm. Because I know, I know that um, you know. Arts having funding for arts. Now, this isn't a problem in my district yes. necessarily, but I know in, there's a, there's a stigma that arts are fading in in a lot of places. Yes. You know, it's so the first thing that gets cut. Yeah, but so if we can make sure kids stay interested in it mm-hmm. by making it a fun experience for them, I think it's more likely that these things will seem to have value and people will want them to stick around. So fun, as, as your quote, fun is the fuel. For creativity, that's yeah. one of the things that you try to. Yeah, you can't force someone to, to be creative. I don't think. No, no. <laughs> no. Have fun, damn it, and yeah. be creative. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. Uh, and the, the puppets come to play probably more often than they should in your classrooms. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say more often than they should. I mean, they definitely <laughs> peek in every once in a while. But to be honest, I, I, it's not that often that I usually have the physical character in my class. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I'll make little videos and use. Clips. I saw I saw a clip where you you had a video in the background and you were talking to yourself in the video. Mm-hmm. Which I first saw a while back with in some yeah. some horribly boring teacher uh, uh, presentation, but yours looked like it was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. And and so so and in a way that's that's sort of puppetry because it, the oh, character yeah. on screen, even though it was you, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, and you're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're manipulating uh, uh, another character for the kids. Yeah. The reason I like doing that more than having it physically in front of me is I think that kind of goes back to my magician days of kind of creating a little bit more of an illusion mm-hmm. of uh, of this character actually being alive than necessarily something that's hanging off of Mr. Krutinger's arm. <laughs> and the, and the, I, I think they still suspend their disbelief when it's in person too. It, but it there's just they, an they, extra... they look at the puppet on oh, your yeah. arm and, and they're talking to the puppet even though they can see your lips move right next to them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, that, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be a wonderful a wonderful skill and a wonderful um, uh, extra tool yeah. in your tool in a well, teacher tool not even as a tool from you know a performance standpoint or getting kids to learn from puppetry but even to learn by by doing it because mm-hmm. one thing that puppetry has has helped me with in in, in my older as I, as I was older but especially for kids they can be very shy and sometimes you know because I think sometimes they're afraid to put themselves out there oh yes but when you're doing a puppet it's it's not you, or you don't feel like it's you. So it's it, sort of actors who are shy. I, I feel personally I, shy myself. Exactly. But you, it's it's different when you get out there and somebody gets, you know, you're playing a different person. Exactly. It's not you. It's another person. Yeah. And and I think that so, I think not always, but sometimes that can be harder for a kid because as an actor to fully become a, another character, mm-hmm. then to really have a physical object that that they're, they're talking through. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valuable tool to getting kids just more comfortable in being social and, and being able and presentational skills, which help people in every single way of their life. Now, I, I'm not going to ask for any, any specifics, but c- can you think in your mind of kids who you've actually brought out of themselves with this technique, uh, with using puppets or using some other form of art creativity? Is, is mm-hmm. it... 
Can you see it happening in front yeah, of you? Yeah, I've seen it happen You know, just a couple times in my own personal career, in, in my teaching career. But to be honest, I get messages from people all the time. That's, that's I, I've, I've bunch of I've made hundreds of YouTube videos on how to make puppets and how to use puppets. And I even have a little blog where I encourage people to use it with their kids and, and students and things like that for these reasons. And I have gotten a lot of messages from people uh, that, that say those types of things. And, not, and some of them aren't even, even kids. Some, a, a lot of adults, too, mm-hmm. get messages from them of it helping them in some way which just to just be clear was never necessarily my goal in me putting out my art but uh, you know I, I, that's the way I really see it I'm just doing my art and putting it out there for the world to see and and if it has positive effects all the better all the better that's, yeah that's great it, because as a teacher you very very rarely well for me I was an English teacher so <laughs> you never saw any but but you very rarely get any kind of positive feedback that, oh, this is having it. Oh, I just created a Shakespeare fan. You know, I have 30 kids in the class and we, we, you know, I tortured them by having them, you know, go through or watch Hamlet. Yeah. And one kid in there thought it was cool. Yeah. And so that's the one success story I have. But you don't, I I get letters and things. I get notes from kids now who are now teaching themselves, Yeah. you know, and who tell me, this had an effect on me, or thank you for thank you for making me the stage manager. Mm-hmm. I was really shy, and you you gave me control and things like that that you don't get so you don't get very quickly. Yeah, it's a very frustrating situation mm-hmm. to to never know whether. Yeah. I, well, I, I think, I think theater does that really well, too, because like you, there's two ways you can really learn about theater. You can take classes on it mm-hmm. or you can be in a show. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, which one are you going to learn more from? <laughs> there's value to both, without a doubt. And for different parts of your theatrical uh, learning career, they can be beneficial in different ways. But you learn more doing a show. Oh, I, always, I always said those are the things that the kids remembered when they were taking part in a puppet show mm-hmm. or in a, th- in a, a theater stage. Uh, in some way, those are the th- they don't remember yeah. a darn thing of what yeah. I said in English class, <laughs> yeah. but they remember that experience. Yeah, and how I relate it to my teaching and, and making sure that kids see art as something is important is not by telling them it's important and not by showing them examples how it's been important to other, other people, people mm-hmm. you know, but to really show them like, hey, look. Not only am I teaching you art, but I'm doing my own art and I'm putting it out into the world. Mm-hmm. And they can see that, you know. Do, I think do, you, do you see any, uh, uh, it's probably too soon to know this, but do you see the, your influence on any of them continuing into their into a career of their own? Or is, these kids are way too young. Have you had any kids who have gotten past eighth grade and said, I'm going to college for art? Um, I, I'm not really at that point yet. I, yeah, I think my, early. my earliest uh, class is in uh, juniors in high school now. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's perhaps right. some point. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure it will happen in, in your. You know, we've talked a long time already, believe it or not. We've already talked for over 30 minutes, and I haven't even gotten to Hand of God, which is I really <laughs> yeah. am desperate to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, did, were you approached by Scott to, to design the puppet? Yes. For a hand to God. Yes, I was. And so you then, I assume, read the script, and you figured out what this sock puppet, for yeah. lack of a better word? Yeah. You know, I, I was familiar with the show, and when Scott messaged me, I was so thrilled to hear that, because one thing about a show like this is the puppet design of it needs to look homemade, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the easy answer to a lot of people is, let's just make it ourselves. <laughs> it's not supposed to look good. No, but, Scott uh, wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. He, would, he would want a pro. Yeah. But, but, but that being said, too, it's not even from that standpoint. And you know what? That type of technique might work if it's a student show or if it's a show where that you only do the performance for like one weekend. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but the truth is a lot of times if it's something that's very just homemade like that it's not gonna is it gonna last for a four week run yeah not to mention another four to six weeks of rehearsal cow, that's a yeah. lot of stress you yes, know if you're just hot glue and ping pong balls on a sock <laughs> then you're gonna have to replace them probably every night or every other night that's right the know? stage manager's back so that's one thing so Damn these things from, <laughs> they from the outside so they're sewed very well but I did some fake uh, you know um uh, stitching on top of it that doesn't look as nice. Okay. And on the inside, it's completely lined, and it's meant to last a long time. Because if it was just the sock going in and out, I mean, that, that knit fabric is so is so wide, it could it could get a little bit of a tear that stretches out easier and faster. So having it lined helps prevent those types of things. So making it something that's going to actually last a long time. So what was your inspiration for the appearance, mm-hmm. not just the homemade concept, but for what this puppet should look like? Yeah. Well, again, I like to always go back to the original source material, which again, this pup, this design that I did doesn't look like that one, but I like to look at the original and to kind of get the essence of what they were going for. And then looking at that type of a character, I see, okay, yes, it does look very kind of homemade, like the kid made it himself, which is, that's what the story calls for. But then I was thinking of like, okay, well, if it was me, how would I do it? So... So I believe the original one was made out of fabric and craft supplies, right? But I was thinking, okay, what if this guy just used stuff that was probably in his bedroom? Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of gave me the inspiration to just use uh, socks. Is and that the concept? Like that. I don't want to give too much away about the play, but is, is the concept that this guy has has made a, a puppet out of things in his in his room in his home? I don't think it's specifically that. I think it's just that that it was a homemade puppet. Okay. I think it's that. So I think I think the the fact that it's made out of things out of home that's that's a choice that we made. Mhm. Yeah. And and then the, the the design, the coloring of it, the 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 shape of the eyes, everything else is basically you looked at the original and then you put your own spin on it? Yeah, yeah. Again, th- those types of choices are completely different and unique t- to what I made. A lot of it's kind of raw because I wanted it to also look like it was – it needs to still – even though it doesn't – obviously it doesn't look like a sock. I want it to clearly look like it was made out of a sock. Mm-hmm. So I think too much over over designing it would have taken away from the purpose of using a sock to begin with. But uh, but yeah, and then trying to make sure that some that the eyes stick out and and look are are, are you're drawn to them, mm-hmm. which is something that was very important to me as well. I believe in the original one, they're just more of like bead eyes, and there's a lot of benefits to that too. And it's, and it is a good design choice. But I wanted something that I think would like draw you in more, mm-hmm. and that's why I've got these these yellow eyes that kind of um, I think you're drawn to that kind of a, that bright yellow there and then these little beady black eyes but uh, did, did this uh, script have any um uh, regulations about about building the puppet not well at least i didn't know of any if there were <laughs> no, no now what do you what's do you are you involved in rehearsals and such I, I imagine and i know dan he's a very talented young man uh but i imagine he must need some instruction mm-hmm. on what would uh, again, mm-hmm. it, uh, the concept is he's not a professional puppeteer, this sure. kid, but still how to use the how to use and preserve the puppet, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you involved in rehearsals? I was involved in a couple of rehearsals, but uh, but even I have a philosophy with that, too, because I am brought in as the expert, quote-unquote, for that. <laughs> and uh, But here's the thing. like again, I think it's me as a teacher as well, is knowing 
you know, to also trust their instincts as well. Because okay. I could I could essentially micromanage and say, okay, don't do this little thing, don't do that little thing. But then one thing I don't want them to do is to be overthinking it to a point to where they're like afraid to make a mistake mm-hmm. or something like that. Because at the end of the day, especially in a live theater performance, whereas a lot of what I do is film stuff for video and I can just do another take. You can't do that in this case. Yes. So. I have a concept I learned from doing magic called practicing cold, you know, so so rather than sitting there for hours and doing it, you, you put it down, you pick it up, do a couple lines, put it down, go do something else, mm-hmm. go grab it again, tr- try to get, try you get one chance every time mm-hmm. and practicing like that is a great way to practice for puppetry, especially if you're going to be doing it with theater. So have you been called, uh, so do you come into rehearsals or... Oh, I, now I, and again. And I, I came to an initial rehearsal mm-hmm. to kind of do a, a quick little puppetry workshop, so showing them some of the basics, mm-hmm. letting them do a couple scenes, and then giving them some ideas and things to think about. But some then, feedback on, on their performance, so to speak. Exactly, too. But I was, I was also very light and gentle on it because knowing that this was the first time that some of them had touched a puppet ever. <laughs> so I don't want to be too hard. No, no, no. You still didn't do what I said. You know, I mean, they, it takes time. No, to, turn the face toward the audience. That's right. It's got, it's got to soak in a little bit. <laughs> but another thing is, one thing I've noticed in doing a lot of uh, puppetry with local theaters like Musical Fair, and I've done a lot with the Theater of Youth as well, is that a lot of actors tend to just make natural uh puppeteers because they just they know character they know mm-hmm. gesture but you're doing that now instead of using your whole body as the tool you're just using your hand your hand you know yeah and just remembering that it's it's it, it is theater do you miss performing in theater yourself i uh, no. I, I once every once in a while i, I get out you, there you and, the and do it but uh but to be honest um especially because I, I do so much on on youtube now i re- release some sort of video every single week and i i really like that tell us about the youtube videos and and i also i i, I neglected to mention but we we got i know you've done videos uh, you've done puppets for all over the world. For, oh yeah. Uh, but other other video and film work that you've done, just very briefly, just, just sure. brag a little bit. Oh geez. Yeah. Well, again, one thing I like about it is because I can do it on my own time. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do if I wake up, I can't sleep. It's two in the morning. I can just start working on something mm-hmm. and then film it and then put it out there. And what and what sorts of things do you do? Instructional videos or just uh, entertainment or what? Yeah. Most of it is instructional videos on how to build a puppet. All different aspects of it. We have a puppetry podcast called Puppet. Tears, and uh, we interview a lot of well-known puppeteers and people that are on on the up and just, or just doing creative yeah. things, you know. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of a big focus of mine too, because I think it helps the puppetry community and lets more people uh, see it. And I think the more that's just being made for people to see makes other people want to make more too mm-hmm. and just become part of something and i hope there's a big puppetry movement coming i feel like it's on it's on the up it's you know it's been more and more in theater in the last couple it of years has. with things like warhorse and and again this is in the last 15 years or so but like avenue q and all this theater uh and and things like that and even in film and and, and especially because there was this big thing in film with a cgi coming and taking over but i think we're kind of leaning the other way again going back yes. to a lot of practical effects stuff and of course there's a good medium yes. and i think we're, we're approaching that, and it's exciting. Well, it is it is very exciting, as you could tell that I've been very excited through this whole thing. Um, I do need to ask you. Uh, I do need to ask you. The we're near the end here because we've gone a little long, but that's all right. I tell everybody what I do is I end up just cutting out all the parts where I sound dumb, and it brings it right down into a, a reasonable uh, shape. Um, 
There's one question I try to ask everybody, and I call it the off-road question because that's the name of this podcast. And uh, and that is, if you were to take a different road, where would you be now? If you were, it's hard for somebody like you who's planning to be a teacher since you were in fifth grade, mm. uh, or was it fifth grade? Yeah. yeah. And and so now you are a teacher, and this puppeteering, building and, and manipulating puppets seem to come miraculously and, and a lightning strike. So what other things might interest you if you had not taken this road and you had gone a different way? Mm. I think if I didn't find teaching or puppetry, I think what I would do, I think my mindset is to be working on different projects all the time. And I think something that I would like to do is be some sort of creative consultant mm-hmm. for different, whether for anything, really, whether it's uh, v- video production, theater production, uh, stores, uh, businesses, different things like that for promotion and things like that. I think that's something that I probably would have been drawn to. To help others. Yeah. To help others. I, li- I like, promote. I like not, not just trying to come up with my own ideas. I like working with other people's ideas and trying to turn them into something. One th- I, I have so many other friends that I'm, what we call ourselves thought partners, you know? Mm-hmm. We have, we're in completely different industries, <laughs> but sometimes we just sit down for an hour and, and talk. things off and, each bounce, other. and you think of things that you wouldn't ever think of. And I, that's something I love to do more than anything. That's the first rule of brainstorming. There, there are no wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And, and Defer judgment. Yep. Yes. There's, I can't remember the name of it now. But there was divergence. Mm-hmm. All sorts of ideas go up on the board, and then there's convergence, mm-hmm. where you bring them all back together. Adam, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I can't even begin to tell you how much I learned. But also, I'm so looking forward to seeing Hand to God. Oh, now. Well, I was looking forward to it last year when it was supposed to be done last yeah. year, uh, because I had read about it, and I had I had read the New York Times review of the original of the original play uh, when it was done on Broadway. And so I'm very much looking forward to yeah. seeing, and, and I would like to see some of your own uh, own puppetry sometime as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. But this way it'll be Dan Ertz uh, manipulating a puppet of your design in Hand to God. Thanks so very much for coming in and being on Off-Road today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, thanks. Adam. Bye. Well, yes, I know that tape is easier to say because it's one syllable and... And DVR'd is three, and well, oh, recorded that three more syllables. So, oh, never mind. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Fascinating guy, Adam Crudinger, and he's he's so he's a young man. And he has a beautiful new family. So, really, good for him. Good for you, Adam. And Adam, best of luck on your nomination to the Arties, because, well, we don't know when they're going to be given out, but we certainly know that you are very deserving, and uh, I hope you win, my friend. So that's it. That's it for this bonus episode of Off-Road. There will be another regularly scheduled episode this coming Monday. And uh, this will feature Mary-Kate O'Connell from O'Connell and & Company. And it will also feature Shirley Verico from the Buffalo Arts Studio. If you don't know what the Buffalo Arts Studio is, you're in for a real treat. So... I'll be back again this coming Monday with a regular edition of Off-Road. But in the meantime, tip your waitstaff, try the veal, and, you know, if you've got a little extra money, donate it to some of these great arts entities in Buffalo. And I'll be back again on Monday with another edition of RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano. <laughs>